it's Thursday the 23rd of November. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'm a fiscal drag queen, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we treat the UK press like a sweetie pick and mix. We grab the sour plums of the mail, bang them together with the Telegraph's jelly snake, oh my <laughs> bite the heads off the Times' sugar mice, and then let the star sprinkle a whole load of fizzy cola bottles on top. Somehow you'll scoff the lot without being sick. That's not guaranteed. We're out Monday to Friday, so you can get a paper sugar rush every weekday and use the weekend as a gentle come down or news hangover, whatever you want to call it. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Let's talk about tax, baby. The papers are still full of Hunt's autumn statement. Let's talk about you, not me. TikTok's new trend is toxic gossip. And let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Don't worry, bonking fans. The papers are here to tell us how to have a great sex life. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we think Hunt's tax cut sounds like a spoonerism for David Cameron's shed. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is new statesman columnist and a man who can find the fun in full expensing, John Elledge. Hi, John. I'd just like to thank the show as ever for making me sound incredibly cool and sexy. Of course, (laughs) because you are. Also with us is comedian and woman who knows just where to put her national insurance bonus. (laughs) It's Gronya Maguire. I feel like I'm in a carry-on podcast. (laughs) I've got a bit frisky. So what do we have on the front pages today? John, what do we have? It's really only the one story, and Mm. it's a good one. It's the, uh, the fallout from yesterday's autumn statement. Oh, please. Which has has got all of us very excited this morning. The Guardian's gone with Hunt reveals 20 billion in tax cuts as Tories move on to election footing, Hmm. which is fairly straight right up. I'm still surprised in some ways that The Guardian is kind of presenting the Tory line rather than the, the reality, which we'll get to. The Times, Hunt eases tax burden. The Telegraph, biggest tax cut since the 1980s. With a kind of full whack of columnists at the top. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a proper rogues gallery, isn't it? Alistair Heath, Quasi Quateng, Janet Daly, it's all the same ones. <laughs> but uh, lined up like they mean business. At the bottom, it's Camilla Tomenay, who's mm. uh, also very excited. We'll be coming back to her. It does always slightly fall apart when you get to the eye, though. Tax burden to hit record high despite 2p cut for millions. Ooh, some realism. OK, Gronje, what do you have? Well, I just want to flag up uh, to listeners that basically when it comes to like tax and budget, basically my brain treats it like, you know, when you ask somebody for directions and you listen for about 10 seconds and then... Uh, yeah, you just suddenly start remembering a Taylor Swift song. So I'm bringing that level of political insight to... Uh... <laughs> That's what we want. So the Daily Mail, oh, they're so happy. They've got a picture of uh, Jeremy Hunt with his two best buddies, passing around the back under the headline, let's hope it's just the start. Biggest tax cut since the 80s. Woohoo! So I'm like, oh, brilliant. It must be a really good budget. Mm. Well done, everybody. The Sun, also, they are in a great mood. They've got a picture of, I presume, a champagne bottle popping, a little picture of Jeremy Hunt's happy little face, new years way mini budget boost in january so again i'm assuming everything is fixed the budget was a massive success and i don't have to think any more about it the daily mirror 
Awesome statement, Swizz. Uh oh. What? <laughs> do they take us all for fools? Yes, yes, they do. They do. Gronje. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. You got all excited, and now the mirror's bringing the realism. I thought it was all sorted. And it's a picture of Rishi with his, his arm around uh, Jeremy Hunt, uh, suggesting there could be more to this story than the other newspapers have suggested. And the Daily Star, oh, calming me down. Stevie Wonder took me joyriding. Way! <laughs> ah. Coming with the story Eurythmics, Dave's ill-advised car journey with Blind Legend. That is a good story. Can we talk about that instead of the budget? <laughs> no, right. you've got to do your job here. Oh. <laughs> now, as we've just heard, the front pages have Jeremy Hunt's autumn statement smeared all over them like a vinegar stain from fish and chips. Some of the papers are telling us he's done an excellent job and some of them are not quite so keen. So, John, who thinks Jeremy's done awfully well considering? So, uh, a number of papers are very much, shockingly at this stage of the process, they're very much pro-Tory, pro-Hunt, mm. pro-autumn statement. They include the Telegraph, the Times, the Mail, the Sun. The Telegraph in particular has this whole roster of excitable columnists telling us how wonderfully everything's gone. Camilla Tomine on the front page has, uh, she's gone a bit peculiar. There's an extended mm-hmm. metaphor uh, involving magic wands and out of a treasury hat has come a fluffy bunny in the shape of a long-awaited tax cut. You see, that would be good if it was a fluffy bunny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know quite what a tax cut would look she, like. She does also elsewhere in the column assure us that it's not like one of those weird giant rabbits that's the size of the person holding them. But yes, yeah, she also talks about how both parties are now barely distinguishable from each other in the public consciousness. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I think we have quite a lot of polling to suggest mm. that's that's not true. She's very much swallowing the, the government's line. She's talking about how this is all a sensible fiscal strategy. It's helping the unemployed into work. It's setting a bunch of traps for Labour that they can't possibly oppose. Hmm. Citation needed. Um, Alistair Heath, friend of the podcast. Yeah. He says, whisper it quietly, but Jeremy Hunt, with Sunak's approval, is adopting most of the core tenets of trustonomics, albeit in adulterated fashion in a very different style. So that, can I just ask, OK, before... He like, thinks trustonomics is a good thing, to be right. clear. OK, so he thinks that Liz Truss was great. He does think Liz Truss was great. I think he thinks that Liz Truss was betrayed mm. by the rabid communists of the mm. financial markets who did not believe in her vision. But now, uh, quietly, a hero has come forward to resurrect Trustonomics. And that's it. Now there's the quiet man of British politics, Jeremy Hunt. That is so weird. And there's also Quasi Quarting. I love like, it. <laughs> speaking of Liz Truss, right, he's writing in The Telegraph, right? He's written about the budget. So Quasi Quarting, as, as, as listeners may or may not recall, was the man who ruined the British economy last year. <laughs> yeah, about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, The Telegraph has wheeled him out to ask his views about his successor's budget. Unbelievable. Um, The opening sentence is worth reading. The pundits are unanimous. The government is in the last chance saloon. Something significant needed to be done to change the narrative to give the Conservatives any chance in the next election. Mm. Why is that, Quasi? Can you recall <laughs> what's gone wrong for the Conservatives? About a year ago. What's, what is it that's put them in the last chance saloon? Do you have any comments on that? After that, it's actually an incredibly boring column in which he just kind of lists all the things that the that Hunter's done and says, I like that one. I was a bit disappointed by that one. It's not worth reading. OK, can we just say there is, you know, for some of us, tax cuts, tax increases, national insurance, it all gets a bit... Mm. How can it be... This is what I'm confused about. 
How can it be tax cuts and the biggest tax increase since World War Two? How yeah. can both things be happening at the same time? Okay, so what is happening is that Jeremy Hunt has cut national insurance, which is one of those taxes we pay, which is basically income tax, but we call it something different and pensioners don't mm-hmm. pay it. So it's true, he's taken two pence off that. Mm-hmm. He's also abolished what is called Class 2 national insurance contributions for the self-employed, which I, I, yeah, I, good news. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but no. it benefits all of us in this room. <laughs> great. So great work, Jeremy. Okay. However, Uh what he has not done is raise the tax thresholds. So I can't remember what they are, but there's a particular point somewhere in the 40,000s at which point you start paying higher rate tax. He's not moved those upwards in line with inflation. So because prices are rising and wages across the economy are rising too, albeit not quite as quickly, more people are getting pulled into those higher tax brackets, will be paying the higher rate of tax. The impact of that is greater than the impact of the tax cut. Yes. That is why there are these contradictory headlines. In the same way, although he's done this thing called full expensing for businesses, so he's, he's introduced full expensing, he is still raising corporation tax. So again, it's the same trick. It's like, you know, he's giving with one hand, he's taking back with the other. On balance, tax is probably going up, but in a way where he can say it's going down. What I find interesting about these right-wing front pages today that are cheering the government on, just like, you know, this is the best budget ever, biggest tax cut in 20 years, well, hey, and so on, is that is that actually how the public is going to experience it? Because I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess the public will be paying more attention to what's actually happening in their wallets than they will be to what's happening on the front page of The Sun. And not for the first time, I'm looking at the papers and thinking, like, is the right-wing press maybe sort of killing the Tory party with kindness by kind of presenting the view of the world that they want to see rather than the one that the voters are actually going to be experiencing when they go to the polls? It's weird, isn't it? Because actually they're doing a little bit of what Jeremy Hunt has done. So, like, Jeremy Hunt has pulled his rabbit out of the hat and said everything's going to be great, but actually it's not. And that's exactly what the papers are doing. And they'd even acknowledge it. So in the sun, when they've got this kind of mad headline that goes, New Year's were hay, but then underneath, what does it say, Gronje? But taxes will still be highest since what, what, too. They have literally buried the lead. Yes, exactly. They've buried it beneath the rest of the headline in a tiny font. I'm no economics expert, but (laughs) I'm going to say that Jeremy Hunt, if you're listening, you're a sneaky little bitch. (laughs) I used to work for Jeremy Hunt, by the way. Oh, did you? And? It was terrible. Worst job I've ever had. And that's for, a recommendation. I, I worked for his company, Hot Courses, in the early in the early noughties, along with about half the British media. And it's it was a terrible place to work, where they treated staff like shit and paid you really badly. Hmm. Um, and now he's running the economy, so lovely. yeah. So there you go. So Gronya, I want to ask, and you know, I'm not asking for details, but how are you feeling about this autumn statement stroke pre-election budget? <laughs> How's the vibes? <laughs> so stupid because every I'm so whatever the last expert says because they say it in such a reasonable way I'm like oh that sounds right and then somebody else says the exact opposite and I go oh no that's my opinion now then somebody else says another thing have you considered becoming prime minister because this this was very much (laughs) Boris Johnson's approach yeah it really was yeah Hi, I'm Katie Riley. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, Donald Trump became the first former U.S. president in history to face a criminal trial. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. This is not a trial. This is not a 
an act of criminality. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. This is the story of his first week in court told through the transcripts. Listen now to the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, in The Guardian Online, there is a piece about a strange new TikTok trend, gossip surveillance, basically, where people are sharing strangest conversations on TikTok in the hope of exposing the gossipers to the very people they're gossiping about. It's a very odd trend, Gronje, isn't it? What's going on? So, yeah, this is a trend of listening to people's conversations and then sharing the details on TikTok as a way of exposing the gossipers to the people that they were gossiping about. So where it used to be Twitter, do your thing, and you're revealing maybe somebody being racist or homophobic or, you know, doing something really dreadful on Twitter. Twitter was used to expose that person. Now it's, hey, these people hate your new haircut. Let's find out who they are and maybe get them fired from their job. Yeah, and also not be friends with you anymore. It's really horrible. I mean, it started apparently when somebody called Drew B. Dooby Doo. They've all got these kind of cute names, haven't they? Really cute names on TikTok and then really horrible. Yeah. So they heard um, a group of friends in, in New York Park basically bitching about somebody else in their group and decided to tell everybody. This is what they said. I hate to stick my nose where it doesn't belong. Oh, really, do you? But if your name is Marissa, listen up. And then they kind of said, oh, we've overheard a group of girlfriends within earshot and they were chatting about how they'd purposely chosen a weekend throw a birthday party when Marissa was out of town. So it's like, okay, when is she not around? We're going to have a party. So I need to tell you, says Drooby Dooby Doo, Marissa, that the weekend you're away is not the only time they could do their birthday party. TikTok helped me find Marissa. And then the, it's, it's so horrible. It's and so Marissa horrible. was found very quickly and knew it was her and was absolutely devastated because her friends had obviously turned out to be horrible. And since then... This kind of trend has been used to expose baby daddies with secret families, fiancés who cheated whilst on their kind of stag nights, bachelor trips, and friend groups complaining behind the back of of an unwitting member. I mean, it's really horrible. There's another one where this woman called Kelsey Kotzor, who's a a lifestyle influencer, who shared this with 160,000 followers. That's a lot. And it's basically friends were bitching about their other friends' wedding. So they'd all been bridesmaids at this wedding and they were like, oh, it's a really terrible wedding and we hated the dress. And then they expose it on TikTok so the bride knows. I just think this is awful. It just feels like part of this broader trend of kind of the barriers coming down between sort of public and private, thanks mm. to the internet. Mm. Like, you remember a few years ago when John Ronson wrote that book, you know, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an ama- amazing yeah. book and it was incredibly impressive. And like, yeah, some of the stories in there were of people who'd done terrible things and frankly deserved to be publicly shamed. Shame is a useful social motivator. But it also kind of like that same tendency kind of slipped into uh, attacking people who probably didn't need to be kind of ruined forever for what they had done. Yeah, exactly. And it's a a thing where I think you know, none of us are perfect. It's another example of where you have to be perfect. Not only do you have to look good, you have to be kind of morally good as well yeah. at all times. There is nothing, that, at no point in your life can you say the wrong thing, make a dodgy joke, just yeah. be a bit grumpy. Also, like, that's never all bit, allowed. We all bitch about yeah. our friends. Yeah, that's like... It's you, an important... Like, I mean, like there's a bit in, in the actual article talking about how it's, uh, it is a form of bonding to kind of shared bitching. Mm. Like the first time I... One of the first times I had dinner with a, with a partner's family... 
like their mother sort of when like, as soon as they walked through the door, she just her mother came up to me and went, Okay, I've screwed up the cooking, but my mother in law is going a bit batty, so we're just gonna pretend she's imagining it, okay? <laughs> And that was it's like I like you. You kind of brought me in on a little secret, and yeah. that was yeah. It's a, it's a way of bonding. Yeah, exactly. I love gossip. I love it. And what I say is, I'm not a gossip. I'm just really interested in people's lives. I'm I'm an anthropologist. <laughs> They're making I'm an notes at all times. And I just think you just have to have a bit of humility. It's like my friends gossip about me. I know they probably say things about my behind my back that probably. I don't like, but I'm not arrogant enough that behind my back all my friends say, oh, Grong, isn't she wonderful? It's like I I know my friends have genitals and I know they gossip about me. I don't want to really think about either. <laughs> but it's like you have to be an adult. None of us are like Maria from The Sound of Music. We're all slightly shishy people. And that's normal and that's fine. And that's how life works. So these smug people doing it for clout and Instagram followers or TikTok followers, they're like gossip stasi. I hate them. Yeah, it's weird. Well, and I also, I actually think they will be sued. There will come yeah. a point where somebody's going to, to sue them. It reminds me a bit, do you remember ages ago there was a picture on the internet of a woman, a very beautiful woman working out or in, no, in a gym changing room and she took a picture of somebody that wasn't like a perfect body yeah. behind her, which was just like the worst. Yes, Why would you do horrible. that? Put it up on Twitter. And she was, I think she was sued in the end, which she should be. I mean, good. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> quite right. But it's the same thing. If you're having a kind of private conversation, you can't, even though they can argue that it's in a public space, it's still a private conversation and nobody asked for it to be put up on TikTok and you will get sued. That's my answer to it. Yeah, it's like gossip is real and so is privacy laws. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, as you well know, Paper Cuts is all about headlines. We like them rude, we like them random, we like them funny, we like them punny. We can even cope with a Daily Mail essay stroke rant as long as it makes us laugh. What can we say? We just love those heady headlines. What about today, John? I've got one from the star. So we all remember the story of Fiona, the loneliest sheep in the world, who was rescued. Yeah, was there was chasing, a fight to rescue her. she was so long. <laughs> uh, well, I have, I have a bad news about the Kashmiri goat stuck near the elephant's cave on the Great Orm in Llandudno, North oh, Wales. No. Rescuers say it's too risky to try to save him. Oh, oh no. God. So this goat is stuck up a cliff and can he's, never come he, down. He's trapped high up a perilous cliff face. There's a picture of him. You have to look quite closely to see him on the rock. There's another picture of what appears to be some other goats sort of looking down at him. <laughs> oh um, I'm going to be honest, after this, the actual headlines, uh, it's a bit of a letdown, but it's a get your goat. Yes, let's get the I can't believe the star is not campaigning on this. This is outrageous. I mean, it sort of is. It's, it's saying, like, remember Fiona, do the same here. But, I mean, it would be, it would be quite expensive to get this goat. But right. can we not get Prince William in one of his bloody helicopters? Isn't yeah. that what he's trained to do? Or Rishi's helicopter. Yeah. I mean, you know, he could just hover. <laughs> OK, let's do another one. What else do you have? My other story, also from the start, also sort of animal-themed. Mm. The Loch Ness Monster could be an algae-based blob. New no bombshell way. DNA test show. <laughs> no actual no. way. The Loch Ness Monster was in fact made up by a newspaper in the 1930s. Shush well, now. <laughs> uh, anyway, investigators collected water samples from Loch Ness, sent to a lab in Colorado for, for special analysis. Boffins have detected two types of algae, but no evidence of monsters. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, the headline is Loch Ness Monster. Oh, I see. Because he's uh, made out of moss. There you go. 
So, Gronya, you have the sun, right? What do you have in there? Okay, so we've got three bops of headlines. An AI chatbot is charging hapless blokes £25 a month to teach them how to be better in bed. Headline, at last you found my GPT spot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I quite like that. You say it very quickly. You have to say it very quickly. GPT spot. (laughs) I love the G spot as well. That's so 80s. Also in the sun, Paul Hollywood's tanning obsession is causing chaos on the Great British Bake Off because he disappears to sunbathe and returns an entirely different shade. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like he does it whenever he's got five minutes off. (laughs) It's just like, oh, everyone's sitting down for a cup of tea. Where's Paul? He's off in the tanning booth. (laughs) Headline, Paul's TV tan is overbaked. It is. You are correct. (laughs) It is. Just gorgeous. Absolutely lovely. And then finally, all again in the sun, Actress, I love how they've said actress, just in case we didn't know who she was. Dame Judi Dench accidentally bared all to Paddington after she mistakenly made a video call instead of a voice call from the bath. Headline is, it's Dame Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. (laughs) Why didn't they do nudie? (laughs) Dame Nudie. Now, for some weird reason, which I don't want to think about, the papers have decided that today is the day to tell us how we're doing sex all wrong. The Guardian, the Mail and the Star all have pieces on how we can get our bonking better. So, Gronya, let's start with The Guardian. Oh, my God. They have a, they've got an article, haven't they, called Sex Therapists on 20 Ways to Get Your Mojo Back. Mm. So here's the thing, right? I am, spoiler alert, not a sex therapist, but I feel like I could write this in my sleep. Yeah. Like it's always the same thing. If you want like abstinence-based, you know, sex education, get teenagers to read articles like this because they make it just sound so boring and so <laughs> tedious and it's always the same thing. They always say, women, enjoy your body by yourself. Stare at your body in a full-length mirror. Find a way to touch each other in a non-set and you're just like, oh my God, this is homework. Yeah, it's terrible. So they, like, there's a bit in there where they literally say, you know, get in the mood by getting in the bath with a bath bomb. <laughs> Which is just like, oh, this isn't sexy. Great, I feel hot and stuffy. Yeah. Mm. Their advice that they felt was so good that it needed uh, a different font size. Telling someone they can't have sex tends to be an effective way to get them in the mood. Which sounds just so dodgy. I can't believe it. So basically... It sounds like the beginning of a public information campaign. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Talk to your mates. literally say like say no yeah. and then they'll get all horny I mean it's just so this I'll give you a sort of a headlight uh, be aware that it's incredibly normal to not be in the mood oh mm. thanks Guardian did you know okay you're not going to believe this your mood can be a factor in your <laughs> sexual libido <laughs> So if you've just like been in a car crash or, you know, been fired, you might not feel as fruity as you usually do. God, (laughs) so glad I'm getting this expert advice. Have a medical checkup. Sexy. Talk to someone. Some people are into that. (laughs) Talk to someone outside the relationship. 
the one I what makes me laugh is like be prepared to talk to your partner <laughs> just prepare yourself because you might have to talk to them guys we need to talk about our sex life come on <laughs> there's another bit here about self-love which oh. I've, I've, I've actually um, got in front of me which says self-love quote empowers individuals to honestly articulate their needs and desires building more authentic and fulfilling sexual and emotional intimacy in the relationship I mean Yes, but can we just stop being boring? <laughs> it's so boring. Where are the jokes? Why not explore different textures in your relationship? Be playful. You it's know, bring a feather into the bedroom. <laughs> this is like this is like written by an AI robot. Maybe it is. I, it's the chat GPT spot. <laughs> they've also said scheduling is also important. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got to check your Google Calendar yeah. before you have sex. <laughs> Put it Sorry, I'm recording calendar. a podcast. Put it in your Google Calendar. Just make sure that um, if you're, you know, your other people don't have access to your Google Calendar. <laughs> so maybe, or maybe let them know so they don't ring you. You know, at seven o'clock on a Wednesday, they're like, "No, that's growing is boogie time." <laughs> <laughs> it says rump. <laughs> And then this is what I absolutely loved. Uh, 20, the biggest tip they left that to last, put down your phone. (laughs) (laughs) So if you plan, you know, you can't take a break to do Wordle, you have to focus. No podcast on in the background, I presume. No, well, no. Perhaps ours because it is so sexy. (laughs) Okay, and in the star, there's more about sex, isn't there, John? There's another piece. There is. I'm delighted to have been given this story to talk about. (laughs) Mm. Uh, One of the pieces of advice there was uh, talk to somebody. Well, the star has a story that apparently having an affair can be good for your marriage. Yeah. So that's very much talking to somebody <laughs> and doing other things with them as well. Uh, so uh, a study, quote marks around study there, has found that 72% of love cheats said that uh, their relationship <laughs> with their spouse had improved dramatically since they embarked on a fling. I like the way that it's the love cheats that they've kind of asked. They're the Not ones the you want to ask. Uh, well, there might be a reason for this. The research was conducted by, drumroll please, extramarital dating site elicitencounters.com Ah, right. So I don't think uh, I don't think this has been peer reviewed <laughs> um, but basically what is what is happening here is that a website that monetizes philandering yeah. has surveyed philanderers and discovered that they think it's actually been a good thing for their marriage. There's more isn't there Gronje in oh, the God, mail Rich people are mad Mm. Rich people are a trip. If we've any rich listeners, I mean, God love you. You have stressful lives. So this is an article by Glennis Roberts. And it's about basically her parents hated each other. Mm. They hated each other. They had a long, loveless drudgery of a marriage. And that impacted her view on a marriage. She also struggled to maintain long-term relationships. But she divorced while her parents didn't. And she thinks that the fact that she left her marriage meant that her daughter has a better idea of what intimacy and relationships look like. Yeah. There's some great uh, scenes in there, isn't there, from from her, her parents' marriage. Oh, my God. So my mother's Saturday job was to have a steaming pair of grilled kippers ready on the kitchen table for my father who had returned cold and tired from watching his football game. One evening when he was about seven he forgot his house key. In the minute mum left the room to open the front door the cat got the kippers. My enraged father turned on her and then on the cat which he threw through the kitchen window even though it was closed. That's just amazing, isn't it? That's I mean, just like, abuse. That's isn't not... it just? It's just abuse. It's, it's just, just rich people. 
I think it's just if you went to a boarding school, you'd just be like, oh, yes. And what I have to say is so Gl- uh, Glenis Roberts is a long term uh, male contributor. And one of the reasons why she is, is to be fair, she was absolutely gorgeous when she was younger. Oh. And there's a big picture of her. And so what the male is saying is you can be rich and absolutely stunning and still have a rubbish life. That's the message of She's this. She's got a face that deserves to have been at least once married to one of the Beatles. Yeah. Like she is so, so beautiful. gorgeous. And then she ends up in a really rubbish relationship with a tailor. It's not good I'm enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not talking about Dolce & Gabbana, a tailor. Well, that was quite a big deal in 60s Soho, I think. Can, can I read the best line from her Wikipedia page? Yes, we yeah. looked her up, didn't we? We did look her up because shamefully I didn't know anything about her. Mm. Uh, and I learned that in 2007, she won a libel case against her former employer, The Telegraph, after it claimed she had a vendetta against a restaurant near her home. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I love got... rich people. They're so weird. <laughs> Vendettas against restaurants. No, they don't. They don't. don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to get sued. Oh, my by God. <laughs> and there's rather a sad housing story in the Oldham Chronicle today. Jacob Heron has fallen foul of planning regulations, aged four. <laughs> His Wendy house is disliked by the oh council. Oh, my God. I know. So, John, you're our housing expert. Can you unpick this story for us? So, so I mean, firstly, I think there is a wonderful picture of Jacob yeah. standing with his arms crossed doing classic angry people in local newspaper posts. <laughs> it's absolutely outside brilliant. House. Oh. Outside his Wendy house. He's just got it absolutely perfect, hasn't he? For what? a four-year-old, it's he's amazing. Point. And you keep looking at it and you think, but then you think that's all the joy. But every time you see it, it's just as funny as the first time you see it. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened here is that, I mean, it, say, it says Jacob has fallen foul of planning regulations. What's actually happened is his parents have, mm. because they bought him a, a Wendy house, which is a very pretty little thing for him to play in. They put it up in their front garden in the Saddleworth area, I believe. Yep. And a neighbour has complained it is blocking their view. So First Choice Homes, the housing association, told the parents they had to take it down. Uh, they thought, OK, this is ridiculous, but we'll apply for planning permission, as you're meant to. That cost them £172, at which point the council said, no, you still have to take it down. It's unbelievable. They actually considered it. I felt it's so awful. It reminds me of Captain Ton Spa, yeah. but it's actually genuinely sad. <laughs> it gets it actually it gets much better because like you know you read this and you think this is this this planning system is ridiculous. God, NIMBYs are ruining everything. Right. And then one of the quotes from from one of the parents it's particularly weird that Oldham Council has no problem accepting plans for a huge new school just down the road from our house, but a playhouse is out of the question. So the parents also do not not think that the council should be building things. <laughs> this is the housing crisis in a nutshell. Even people on the wrong end of like the most ridiculous planning decision you have ever heard are still going, well, as long as we don't build any fucking schools down the road. As long as we shouldn't be building, obviously we should be allowed our little Wendy house, but God forbid that we build any schools or houses or hospitals or anything that could give this country the slightest inkling of an economic fucking future. <laughs> Jacob is four years old. 
And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Grania. Thank you. And thanks to every one of you who've joined our Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Your £5 a month is put into a pot marked Fiscal Drag Brunch. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's used to keep this show going without us having to dance for dimes from the man. And if you'd like to join the Paper Cuts Supporters Squad and maybe even bag yourself some highly desirable merch, just follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. Our excellent supporters get a shout-out on every show. So who do we have today? It's hello and thanks for being fabulous to Linda Breen. I want to say hi and thank you so much to somebody whose name, I think, if it was a TV drama, Kerry Washington would play her, mm. Dr Amanda Ramsey. Hi, and I would like to say thanks for being fan-dabby-dozy to Stephanie Butland. I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the face of rocker Lemmy from Motorhead has appeared in a pancake. Paul Hollywood, you can stay in the sunbed for as long as you want. <laughs> There's a new ace of cakes. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Gronia Maguire and John Elledge. The producer was Liam Tate, assistant producer was Adam Wright, and audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpin, design by Jim Parrott, with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh, managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, and group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.